Good morning. Suicide Chanam Tamay. Cambodian means hello, happy new year. Almost like you're saying hello to the new year. Chang sent me a text early in the morning for me and said happy new year. But he was he wasn't sleeping. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for loving us. And Father, for being patient with us for the last year. For your mercies that have been new every morning for that year. Father, for your kindness, for your grace, for your love. Thank you for Christian brothers and sisters who have encouraged us and built us up and prayed for us. Father, we we are so thankful for this church and the way that you've um, taught us and the way that we've heard about Jesus clearly in our own language. Many, many times, Lord, you've showered your grace upon us. Thank you for that. And we pray for the next year. Bless us, Lord. Bless us. We want to grow in our faith. And we know that you desire that too. Please help us. Today, as we look to your word, Father, encourage us by it, instruct us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please turn to Acts chapter 18. We continue on. Last time we read 23 through 28, and kind of a summary of the second missionary journey. He had been teaching in Corinth, we're told, for more than 18 months. It's a long time. He planned to go back to the sending church, if you remember, which was Antioch, the Syrian version of it. And remember, that is his um, initial sending church. The Spirit told the church in Antioch to set apart Paul and Barnabas for the gospel ministry. They did, and then sent them out on the first, and then later the second missionary journey. So this is about to be the third one. On the way back from Corinth, they stop in Ephesus. Paul takes along Priscilla and Aquila, along with the others who had been with him, Silas, Timothy. He leaves Priscilla and Aquila in Ephesus and says, y'all just stay here. Y'all are doing good. Stay here. I'll be back if God wills. And they, he preaches in the synagogue some. They ask him to stay longer. He refuses. He says, no, I'm going back to my home church. I'm going to check in. It's some, to me, it's helpful to think about it this way. It's, it's not a mythical thing that happened. This, this thing that we can't get our arms around. It, they're people. This is what happened. He wanted to be back at his home church and check in. Also with God's leading. He arrives at the port of Caesarea. He goes up to Jerusalem. He checks in with the church there. He goes down to his home church in Antioch. And then the scriptures say, after some time, 
Not sure how much some time is, but after some time he begins the third missionary journey. And what we think from history is that that began around the year 52 A.D., the third one, around. 52 A.D. Let's read today's text. We'll read from verse 24 of 18 through verse 20 of 19. Now, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that The Christ was Jesus. Chapter 19. And it happened that while while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No. We've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about twelve men in all. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit Uh, was the evil spirit, leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. 
And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Amen. Verse 24, a certain Jew named Apollos. Well, this is, I mean, we, we've heard that name before because Paul is trying to correct something that happens later related to Apollos, but he's from Egypt, right? Alexandria. The Bible says he was learned in the scriptures. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He's eloquent. He's persuasive in speaking or writing. If you say somebody is eloquent, that's what you're saying. They're very persuasive. They're good at debating. They're powerful. They're forceful. They're um, in, in Apollos' case, he's powerful in the Scriptures. So, what Scriptures? The Old Testament, right? This is, whatever letters there were for the New Testament, they're not widely known, and not widely um, available either. He's competent in the Old Testament Scriptures. Verse 25, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. We're not sure who told him the way of the Lord exactly. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus even. So he has a firm understanding of the Old Testament, being an eloquent man, powerful in the Scriptures, and he understands the things concerning Jesus. How do we know? Because he taught it accurately. What he taught about Jesus was right. Though he only knew the baptism of John. So what, what is it saying here? Um, I think it's pretty simple. Is He's a godly man and God's using him, but he doesn't know everything. He doesn't know everything. He's still growing in the faith and in the knowledge of the Lord's work. He doesn't know about the baptism which began at Pentecost. That part of the gospel has not reached him. We're not sure when he heard about Jesus or how. We don't know. And you can understand this. Most of you were not sovereign grace believers before right a lot of you anyway and if you were always sovereign grace believers thanks be to God because you don't have a lot of junk baggage in your brain but I was not a sovereign grace believer for probably the first three or four years that I was a Christian and I talk to people all the time about Jesus and encourage them to believe in Him and follow Him and repent. But I didn't understand the, the things accurately. Not all of it. Not all of it. And you understand this. You've taught things before, and now you wish you wouldn't have taught that because you don't think that's right anymore. 
And you can't go back. You did what you thought you should at the time. It's possible to be accurate, but not in all things, right? Verse 26, Priscilla and Aquila helped to fill in some of the holes he had in his understanding about Jesus, right? They've been in the faith for a while. They've been walking around with Paul and Timothy and Silas, and they have a firm grasp of what's been going on, right? They've had more access to testimony than he has, than Apollos has. And so they help him with his understanding. And one of the ways he needed to be um, instructed in is about baptism. But I'm not sure if that's all. And some people think this is a big deal that Aquila and Priscilla instructed him in the way, in a, in a more accurate way. And so the, the thinking is like this. What a woman took Apollos, the great Apollos, and said, hey, 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 let me show you the right way. Listen, we're not that way in our church. Our attitude is not that. Our attitude is that God wants men to be leaders. He does. But He wants godly women too. And in our church, we've had godly women for, since the beginning. Even though I wasn't here, I've heard testimonies of it. Some of y'all don't remember the teachers that used to be in the church. Miss Rhonda taught Sunday school for many, many years. And others have too. But I think the restriction that the Bible gives about women teaching in the church is not for private settings. That is for public settings. And y'all might notice that in the last few years, we start calling on women to pray in the assembly. And I'm glad for it, by the way. And I'm glad, ladies, that you don't, if you do feel uncomfortable, I'm glad you're feeling more comfortable. Because there's nothing wrong with it. It encourages me. And you're not speaking and having, you know, trying to take over the church. That's not what's happening. This is believers both equal in the gospel, praying and encouraging one another. Priscilla and Aquila, they had knowledge that he didn't have. And in private settings, they tell him about it. There's no problem that she's a woman. She's a woman of faith. But having said that, we're not going to have a woman preach. And it's not because you couldn't. I'm sure you'd do well. I'm sure we would feel embarrassed even as men thinking, man, (laughs) they're better than I am. Embarrassed is the wrong word. Humbled. That's what I meant to say. It has to do with what God determines and what He says that we should do. Why is it one man and one woman who get married? Because that's what God said. Why is it men who are supposed to lead the church in teaching and preaching? Because that's what God said. It's not my idea. It's His idea. So this godly Priscilla and Aquila, they help Him. They're both men and women are useful and they're blessed by God when they help believers in their faith, for sure. Verse 27 So Apollos, he wants to leave 
Ephesus and go over to Corinth. And the brothers, quote, verse 27, they encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. So this is basically a letter of recommendation. Uh, You don't know him, but we know him, and he's good to go. You should welcome him as a brother. So um, the end of verse 27, when he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. No doubt his preaching was better after having been taught the way more accurately by Aquila and Priscilla. And not only that, but when he went to Ephesus, he's, he's, he's furthering the ministry that Paul and the others had there before. And now he's going to Corinth. He's furthering the ministry that Paul and the others had there too. Was there something lacking in Paul's ministry? He was there for over 18 months. No, nothing lacking. There's a lot of work to be done. If you know your own heart and how long you've heard the gospel, you know some ground takes a while. You got to fertilize it and compost it and turn it over and wait and let it lie fallow and dig it up and it, it takes some time. But when Apollos arrives in Corinth, quote, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. He's helping those people who were Christians already. Why? Because he powerfully refuted the Jews in public. In public, he showed by the scriptures. Not, you understand, this is what we're trying to do right now. And one of the reasons why I stick so closely to the text I want to show by the scriptures that Christ is Jesus. He's the king. And when Apollos was refuting the Jews in public and showing by the scriptures, there's not a whole lot they can say. We see, we'll see later in the text today that some of them, even though there's nothing they can say and they know that they've been refuted, the Bible says they're stubborn and they refuse to change even though they know it's been, their, their previous position has been refuted. Verse 19, 1 through 5, And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. So this is kind of, the timing of this is kind of interesting. So Apollos went to Ephesus. Are you all getting confused with all these names? Apollos went to Ephesus and then Corinth. Well, then Paul goes to Ephesus. So Paul goes back to where he was before, where he said he would come if God opened the way for him. And in between, Apollos was there teaching. And, and that's where Apollos met Priscilla and Aquila. And when Paul gets back to Ephesus, there he finds some disciples. And this is interesting. They hadn't heard of the baptism of Jesus either. In the same way as Apollos hadn't. And they needed to hear the gospel more clearly and accurately too. This is interesting, right? Because 
Apollos was just teaching in Ephesus. And he had been instructed more accurately. And you would have thought he would have included that in his messages. And when Paul arrives in Ephesus, there are still people who don't know that. They're still needing more instruction. They know about repentance. Um, If we read down there, Paul asks them, you know, their disciples, he says, did you get the Holy Spirit when you believed? They're like, what's the Holy Spirit? They, They say, not only do we not have it, we've never even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. What is a Holy Spirit? It's, it's very um, interesting, right? We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And then so Paul's like, well, wait a second. If you don't know there's a Spirit, wh- who, what name were you baptized in? Wouldn't it be in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? They, they say, no, we are baptized in the name of John or, or according to John's baptism. And if you remember, and Paul reminds them, that was a baptism of repentance. It was a prepare your heart. The Messiah is coming. Go ahead and repent now. You're wrong. Go ahead and repent now. Change your mind and be hoping and waiting and looking for the coming of the Lamb of God. Verse 4, Paul says just that. John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who is to come after him. That is, Jesus. And so after hearing this about Jesus, more accurately, they are confirmed in the faith, and they're baptized in the name of Jesus. And then verse 6 and 7, they receive the Spirit and they begin to show signs of having the Spirit. Twelve men in all. I don't really understand this as it relates to Paul's usage of the term Holy Spirit. Because in our minds, any true believers receive this Holy Spirit, right? The Spirit indwells Christians. And so, and I'm not really sure how this works, that in the early days of the church, some people seemed to be believers but had not received the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm not certain. Maybe they weren't completely believers. But um, if you have a way to instruct me more accurately about that, please do later. Um, That seems interesting and, and puzzling to me that there are believers that have not received the Spirit. Twelve are saved, though, and, and baptized in the name of Jesus. Verse 8 and 9, so Paul is in Ephesus where he didn't stay long before, but now he's staying three months in the synagogues, speaking boldly, reasoning, persuading them about the kingdom of God. Do you see this? This is part of the ministry of reconciliation. Perseverance. Again, 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 again. Three months. How long does it take for him to show them that Jesus is the Christ from the Scriptures? A while. A while. Three months. Not including the ministry of Apollos. Not including Paul's ministry there when he was there the first time. Persuading them about the kingdom of God. 
then we hear that some would not listen anymore. They're stubborn. When some, verse 9, became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them. So, you know, the idea of someone who is stubborn, it doesn't mean that they're fixed in their beliefs. Stubborn is like, you know you should be changing, but you just won't. You know you should, but you won't. You're stubborn. It's not usually a good characteristic, right? You wouldn't say, oh, that guy is really stubborn in his faith. He's strong. We wouldn't use that word that way. It's negative. They continued in unbelief. And not only just being stubborn and continuing in unbelief, but they also speak lies about the church. Speaking evil of the way. And Paul says, okay, if that's how it's going to be, fine. I'm, I won't teach here anymore. There is understanding that has to happen over time. You have that. You're just stubborn now and just don't believe. I'll move on. And the Bible says he moved to a different place, a hall of Tyrannus. Verse 10, this continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. So now we're, we're talking about probably close to three years now Paul has been in Ephesus. Right? With, with his initial time and then the three months in the synagogue and now two more years. And the gospel message was preached widely. The text says all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. How wide was this evangelism campaign? Wide. Wide. So wide that you could say they've all heard this message. Everyone who lives in this area has heard the message. Verse 11. This is interesting and I think timely actually. In our day we have people who think that using the name of Jesus is some sort of a magic formula or a potion that can like, defeat any enemy. Themselves being unbelievers, but can use the name of Jesus almost like a weapon, and the, the bad guys have no choice but to fall down at that name. And what we read here is they're wrong about that. Completely wrong. But we'll get there. God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. And this adjective, extraordinary and miracle, doesn't it almost seem redundant? Aren't miracles extraordinary? No, these are extraordinary miracles. Like, even higher than normal miracles, which, by the way, are not normal at all. Right? People say, somebody had a baby, oh, it's a miracle. No, it's not a miracle. It's happened billions of times. It is a beautiful thing. It's not a miracle. Right? 
it's, it's what God does. He, the proliferate nature of God, what He creates, usually He does it a lot. How many minnows are there in the world? Trillions and quadrillions, you know? And humans too. God has made us so that we can multiply and fill the earth. These are extraordinary miracles. And if, if you read it at first, you'll think, well, maybe this stuff that I'm seeing on TV is not that weird after all. But bear with me here, right? Even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. It, my first reaction is, what? There's no power in a handkerchief. There's no power in an apron. And, and in, my, in my mind at first, I'm thinking, this is why this whole idea of holy relics was multiplied throughout the earth. Because of a true thing that happened, God's power through Paul was extraordinary. It's not normal that garments would heal somebody. Right? But it's not unprecedented. Remember the, the woman who touched Jesus' coat? And Jesus says, it's Jesus like, the power has left me. Someone touched me. Who was it? And there's a crowd all around. And they're like, how could you ask that? There's no way you could possibly know. So it's not, you know, that's happened before. But this idea that you can just take away the handkerchief and carry it to a different county or a different state and there's healing power with it. Um, these are extraordinary miracles, right? I think in a different place we're even told that their shadow would fall on people and they were healed. Well, this is God's miracles. Extraordinary miracles. But some people think it's not that, that the name of Jesus is a formula. Some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. And they say, the same way he does it, that's what we do too. That's what they're trying to tell the spirits. And we see in verse 15, the spirit says... You're nobody. You don't have any power. That's basically what happens, right? I know Jesus and Paul, but you, you don't have any power. God's not with you. You think just by saying the name alone, without faith, it does nothing. And that is rampant in our day, in our country Right? I'm believing in the name of Jesus for a new Mercedes. And they're not joking. By the way, do y'all know any people who believe this way? I know several. They're not joking. They are believing in Jesus for a Mercedes. They're, they're confused. Confused. 
But they're not joking. When we hear it, we laugh because the the ridiculous nature of it. Isn't that taking the Lord's name in vain? And the same thing, you know, they have, I, I got a junk mail. It was a television personality, Christian personality for a New Year's calendar that was blessed by the sellers of said calendar. And, I mean, don't you want God's blessing for the next year? This holy man has prayed over the calendar. It'll come in the mail with a small donation from you. And you'll have this calendar and it'll be a blessing to you all year. Now listen, calendars are a blessing. I use them all the time. But you see how they've twisted this real thing that happened. This extraordinary miracle. And they've turned it into a business. Like we'll print them by the millions and send them all around the world. This, this is not a miracle. This is not a miracle. That's just a printing press. It's not a miracle. It's a scheme. It's a scheme. Isn't it interesting how... Interesting is the wrong word. Sad and wicked. How the word faith movement and the prosperity gospel... The people they're hurting are poor people. It's not the rich who are believing in this primarily. It's poor people who are desperate and hopeless and thinking, Jesus is going to make me like him and I'm going to have money. But he's not like Jesus. Verse 13, I don't know who you are. I'm sorry, 15. And, you know, that it's not just a rebuke from the spirit, this evil spirit saying, by the way, isn't that interesting? The evil spirit is speaking to them. He's not a schizophrenic. In modern day, have you all heard this? I know you have. They try to say that there is no actual demon possession. They're all just crazy. And Jesus or the disciples heal them in their brains. That is false. I think some were mentally ill. But the evil spirit is speaking to them. I don't know who you are. Verse 16, the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, overpowered them. They fled the house naked and wounded. These people who tried to, as imposters, try to, to do the work of true apostles, they're humiliated. They're wounded. They're beaten. Not only are we not leaving because of your word, which has no power, we're going to beat you up and take all your clothes and send you out naked. Complete and total humiliation. What is the response to this? Verse 17, this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. 
and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. I think everybody knows, don't use that name unless you know him. That name is powerful, but if you don't know him, don't use that name. The name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Verse 18, also many who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. We are told about, apparently in that area, a bunch of magicians. I know my daughter likes cartoons that have lots of potions and whatnot, and I tell her, listen, this is fun and games, fine, but listen, in the scriptures, this is completely forbidden. Don't try to have an actual magic book. They bring the magic books, which are very expensive, and then to prove publicly, as a public witness, we are rejecting this. How do you know I'm rejecting it? Because this very expensive book that I have of spells and incantations, I'm going to light it on fire. It's now, I, could, I could sell it. But they don't sell it. They bring their books together, verse 19, and burn them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. The point there is, this is mass repentance from magicians. Not a small amount of books are burned. A lot of books are burned. Very expensive books in proof of their repentance and their faith in the Lord. Verse 20 the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. I mean, God saves all kinds, right? Young and old and man and woman and adulterer and drug addict and magician and all kinds. All kinds. Who needs to hear the gospel? All of them. We, we, in our brains, we have in our minds who would likely believe. And it's easier somehow for us to tell them about the gospel. They're probably open. What about a magician? Somebody that has tattoos all over their face and neck and head and everywhere that's saying to people, I'm different. Will they believe the gospel? Didn't, didn't Jesus say that all kinds were going to come to him? And they will. And the ones you come in contact with, you should tell them about Jesus. If they don't know. How can they believe in him in whom they've not heard? Well, let's have a word of prayer. <clears throat> Father, thank you for this walk through the scriptures. We thank you again for our brothers in the faith that came before us, for Paul and Apollos, and for others who've been helpful in the church, for Aquila and Priscilla. We thank you for that. And we thank you, Lord, for people who have been in our life and helped us to understand the scriptures better. 
Would you help us to extol the name of Jesus? Would you help us, Lord, to be to not be hypocrites, but to be sincere, to love each other more than we love being comfortable, to love our neighbors, our coworkers, our families. We pray for the churches in Cambodia, and we pray you'd help them there as they do the same thing. And again, Father, we ask that you bless us for the next year, that you'd keep us close, help us to persevere in our faith. Father, comfort us where we need comforting. Please, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.